and welcome to the motherhood business with Shalini Sharma. This show talks about pregnancy, parenting and everything in between. I'm your host Shalini Sharma, a hands-on mother of two kids, running a business around motherhood. Is this podcast for you? Well, yes, because I believe motherhood business is everybody's business. So if you are a father, a mother, a working professional, a business personal, or a startup entrepreneur, this podcast is for you. So let's talk about the motherhood business with Shalini Sharma. Today, let's talk about our lack of trust in the Indian traditional system of health and healing. And I'm talking from the context of pregnant women or women who have recently given birth. And you can relate it to general scenario also, you know, general health conditions. We treat pregnancy and childbirth as if we are treating a sickness at a mental level, you know. When, when we talk about a pregnant woman, the first instance, the first response to it would be to have medical intervention or to have an expert advice or to immediately start the medication, the processes, everything, you know. So there is all sort of medical intervention involved when we talk about pregnancy. And the same goes for childbirth, whether it is epidural or cesarean or various other methods these days. When it comes to Ayurveda or when it comes to Indian traditional practices of health and healing, we kind of, you know, have our own apprehensions. We have our own doubts. And it's very normal, you know, to feel this way because we don't know enough when we talk about Indian traditional practices of child care or pregnant women care or prenatal and postnatal care. We do not know enough. There is so much of lack of awareness, lack of consciousness, lack of knowledge. Natural for us to believe in something for which we have an expert in front of us. All we need to do is to consult and get an advice. Indian traditional practices or Indian traditional system of health and healing, when I'm talking about Ayurveda, it's important to understand the origin of it, the history of it. And I think that will give us a reason to believe it more, to practice it more, and to base our trust on these practices. Though it will be completely wrong on my part to say, if I say that, you know, today we don't fully believe in it. Because when I go on Instagram or when I meet few startup founders, I see that there are so many businesses coming up these days which are entirely based on those Indian traditional practices. I see uh, navel oils coming in practice. I see hair serums based on Ayurveda. I see face masks based on Ayurveda. There is a complete range of products. So yes, we are coming back to the roots, but in a very half-hearted way and in a very okay, I don't know about it, but let me try it kind of way. So I just do not want that whatever happened with yoga should happen to the Indian traditional parenting and childcare practices too. And I say it many times, you know, when we gave birth to yoga, it went to West and came back as yoga. We kind of see an approval when a Westerner, when a foreigner starts practicing what we have given birth to. And the same thing I'm observing, which is happening in the childbirth and pregnancy and maternal care aspect also. 
Today, there are so many methods, so many ways of childbirth and maternal care which have been entirely adapted and adopted by the other countries. But we are still unaware of these practices. So I would like to just grab your attention and take it back to the origin of Ayurveda, our Indian traditional healing systems. And let's understand the origin of these practices. Just letting you know that there are so many Ayurvedic institutes outside India in foreign countries, whether in US or UK. And there are so many professors out there who study Ayurveda and who kind of love to practice Ayurveda in their own life and also they love to teach it to other students in various other countries. There is one such professor which I personally love to read a lot about. His name is Dr. Robert E. Swaboda. He was the first Westerner ever to graduate from a college of Ayurveda and be licensed to practice in India. Dr. Robert Svoboda is the leading advocate of Ayurveda in the United States. He teaches at the Ayurvedic Institute in Albuquerque, New Mexico, lectures around the world, and is the founder of Sushakti, a company providing traditional Ayurvedic products. So I have read all of his books, whatever he has written, but one of the books which is my favorite will be Ayurveda for Women, and it is a guide to vitality and health. And he has spoken about, written about the origin and history of Ayurveda at length. So this is something which I learned from his books. So Ayurveda originated with the tradition of Vedas, and these Vedas were nothing but Indian ancient books of wisdom. Ayurveda developed from the youngest of the Vedas, and that was called the Atharva Veda. When during the first millennium BC, Indian culture entered its golden age, the first substantial text of Ayurveda were codified. And you know which was that first text? The Charak Samhita, which deals mainly with internal medicine. And the Sushrut Samhita. So Ayurveda continued to flourish over next few centuries. And the text which we most widely use today is called the Ashtangarida and this is of Vagbhata. It was written around 8700. It consists of a backbone formed by condensing the works of Charak and Sushruta. So during India's medieval period, the political turmoil began to interfere with the development of Ayurveda and we all know what political turmoil it was. The invasion of Britishers and all the workings of East India Company and uh, the final death blow which was given to the Ayurvedic system, the Indian traditional system, was delivered in 1835 by Lord Macaulay. He directed very clearly that in 1835, that time onward, only European medical knowledge should be encouraged exclusively in all areas of India governed by the East India Company. Having thus lost all government approval and patronage, Ayurveda had to retreat underground. All the traditions which were tended to so carefully and many generations had practiced them, they, they were just gone. But even during this period of persecution, Ayurveda contributed generously to Western medicine. During the 19th century, the Germans translated from Sushruta's treatise details 
of an operation for the repair of damaged nose and ears. This operation now appears in modern textbooks as the pedicle graft led to the development of plastic surgery and that is why today's Sushruta is regarded by plastic surgeons the world over as the father of their craft. So this is how Ayurveda was literally taken down and put underground and was not even allowed to practice and that's the death blow of Ayurveda. That is why we believe more on the medicines which were given to us and were prescribed to us by the Western medicine practices or the European medical knowledge. With the assertion of Indian nationalism at the dawn of the 20th century, interest in Indian art and science was reawakened and Ayurveda began a gradual revival. And it is still there. It is still continuing. You know, we are still in the revival stage of Ayurveda. And trust me, in the coming years, Ayurveda again will take hold of medical science, of various practices. You will see many medical practices, especially related to the pregnancy and childbirth, gradually vanishing away just because the true science behind it will come forth in the form of Ayurvedic healing practices. It's better that we start awakening towards this knowledge we start developing our awareness towards these practices i will definitely talk in depth about many such practices because i have given birth to both my kids based on these practices and i fully believe in them having read this book twice in fact have given me a lot of confidence and many such books in fact which talk about women's health and are based on indian traditional systems of healing and health it has given me a lot of confidence and a lot of awareness, you know, around my body, around my body, mind and spirit complex. And once you have that awareness, once you know what your body is trying to tell you, you do not feel the need of too much of medical intervention. Yes, in certain circumstances, that intervention is unavoidable. But once you understand this body, mind, spirit complex, of a human body, of your own body, then it becomes easy for you to tackle it on your own. And this awareness gives you power. This awareness gives you strength. This awareness gives you strength and courage to deal with whatever situation you are in, whether it is early pregnancy, whether it is pregnancy at a later age, whether it's childbirth, labor pain, you will take it all very easily and it will come with a lot of ease in your body. If there is something wrong, you will know it first before your medical practitioner. It's the other way around these days. You will not deal with the subject of pregnancy and childbirth through fear, through lack of understanding, through lack of awareness. You will deal with it naturally, the way you are supposed to deal. So this podcast today was specially to bring you back and to make you question yourself that do you really know enough about your own body-mind-spirit complex? Because that awareness itself is a huge gift. Especially if you are a pregnant woman or there is somebody in your environment who is pregnant. Let's just ask ourselves, are we listening to our bodies enough? Why do we lack trust in the most profound healing practices? That's it for today's episode. I hope you like it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I earned these few minutes of your time. Until I record the next podcast, this is Shalini Sharma signing off.